everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I am a mom of two girls. Olivia is 13 and Eva is 11. I'm a teacher. I currently teach kindergarten as well as a freelance writer, a blogger, and a podcaster here at This Mom Loves. This is episode 28, and we are back with a brand new season. So excited to be here. In my favorite things, I'm going to talk about um, a post that I saw with ideas for how to support a friend's small business without spending a cent. In the lifestyle section, I'm talking about the five love languages of children, which, uh, which is really interesting. And I did a little parenting challenge on Facebook asking people to try out these love languages. And my very special guest today is Lori Gelman. She is the author of the Class Mom books. And the second book in the series, You've Been Volunteered, is hot off the press. Lori is also a mom, of course. She's married to Michael Gelman, the executive producer of Live with Kelly and Ryan. And she is a Canadian girl. She was a host of a show called The Mom Show here in Canada that you might remember. But she ended up in New York because of love and has a lot to tell us about the city as well. So you are going to want to stay tuned for that. Kicking things off, I saw a great post on Facebook a while back and the title was how to support a friend's small business for free. And it really interested me because I know I hear from a lot of people that, you know, when you get a new job where you're employed by somebody else and you announce it on Facebook, everybody gets really excited. But when you announce that you're starting your own small business, things kind of go quiet and people are worried that they're going to be, you know, sold to all the time and that sort of thing. And so there are just some really good tips. So things like sharing with their social, sharing their social media. So maybe your friend is selling makeup and you don't wear makeup. You're not going to buy it and that's okay. You say, no, thank you. I'm not interested in buying anything. But if that person is your friend, you can still help them by sharing their posts on whatever social media account you follow and use. You can like their posts, repost things, tag a friend. You might not wear makeup, but you might certainly know someone who does and might be interested. Leave a nice comment, leave an emoji. If there's anything that you've used of theirs, you can post a picture, give them a shout out. Try not to be negative. These people are uh, are just trying to run their business. If they have a page, you can sign up to like it. If they have a group, you can join it. You could still, if they're doing one of those um, multi-level marketing, maybe you want to host a party to help sell some of their things, even if you don't want to buy any yourselves. I also saw a neat related post. I think it was the Gigi sisters on Instagram who did a post and they were thanking all of their followers for, you know, liking and commenting and all that stuff. And they said, thank you for liking our sponsored posts because that's how we get business. And it's the same for me. I mean, I am a teacher. I have a full-time salary. I know nobody's worried about whether or not I can put food on the table, but still people like my giveaways. They like that sort of thing. And brands aren't going to work with someone if it doesn't look like they're getting engagement. So you might look and think, ah, this is sponsored stuff, but even just to click like, or leave a quick comment, you don't know the difference that it can make when you do something like that. And some of these people, it is their main livelihood. It is their business. And they're bringing you all sorts of great content on different platforms, but they don't make any money unless those brands, those sponsors are coming to them. So when you're scrolling through your feeds the next time, if there's anything you can do, just quickly liking, quickly commenting, anything you could share, repost or retweet, depending on the platform, um, it probably means a lot more than you would realize if you're not a small business owner yourself. So I thought those were some great ideas. And of course, when you do any of that with anything that I post on This Mom Loves, it is greatly appreciated. 
Next up is the lifestyle segment, and we are going to talk about the five love languages of children. So this is a book by Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell. Originally, Dr. Gary Chapman had written a book, The Five Love Languages, more based on um, adults and romantic relationships. And then eventually, The Five Love Languages of Children came out. And I read an article about it and thought, you know, this is fascinating. So I got the book out and made a bunch of notes, and I decided to start a little Facebook challenge a couple of months ago so that parents could get some ideas about how to figure out their own children's love languages and how to speak those languages. So for a little recap, so the first one we tried was physical touch. And you can usually tell if your child speaks this language because they're the ones who are always touching you on you physically, asking for cuddles, wrestling matches, that sort of thing. So to speak this language, some of the suggestions are lots of hugging and kissing, especially for hellos and goodbyes, stroking their hair, rubbing their back, especially when they're upset, snuggling closely or holding hands when you're watching TV together, high fives, group hugs, those sorts of physical kinds of celebrations, giving your child touch-oriented items like a soft blanket, pillow, or sweater, taking parts in tickle fights and physical sports together. And I know for sure, and I have permission from my children to divulge this information, definitely for Eva, physical touch. She's always been one of those kids climbing on you, wanting to cuddle. I mean, even in church when we're we're sitting in the balcony and nobody can see us, she always, you know, wants her back rubbed and that sort of thing. So I know that that is uh, definitely one of her primary love languages. So it's something I try to do more with her. With Olivia, obviously she's getting older and so kids do tend to get a tiny bit less, um, you know, cuddly that way when they're teenagers, um, from what I've heard anyway. But she certainly still wants to be hugged when she's upset and, you know, kiss goodnight and that sort of thing. But I do see a difference between the two in terms of how much they seem to need or crave. So it was interesting to learn that about Eva and learn some tips for how to speak that language with her so that she feels loved. The second idea, the second love language is words of affirmation. So if your child kind of speaks this language that they need those words of affirmation to feel loved, some of the ideas are putting an encouraging sticky note in their lunchbox or on their mirror, mentioning specific things you've noticed like how hard they worked on their homework or how polite they were to a server somewhere. And just as a little teacher note on that one, try not to use broad qualities with your compliments, especially fix things like you're so smart or you're so talented. You try to compliment the actions and the effort and the, you know, all those sorts of things as opposed to some fixed characteristic that's really broad. Speak about them positively to others when you know they're listening. I think that means a lot. You know, when grandma's over, somebody else is there and you're telling them a story about something wonderful your your child did. I think they really like to eavesdrop and overhear that being said about them. Put their schoolwork or art projects on display in your home or workplace and make sure that they're aware that you've got those up. And have a special nickname or coded way to say I love you just for that child, some sort of gesture. And actually saying I love you often. These are the kids that need to hear the words um, to help make them feel loved. And it was funny, the week that I was working on words of affirmation with my kids, I had decided, okay, I'm going to put some kind of notes in their lunch boxes this week. And, you know, the Sunday night, Monday morning packing of the lunches passed and I didn't get around to it that day. And I happened to find notes from both of them that day. Olivia had put something in my lunch and Eva had left something in my room. So it's funny that they didn't even know that that's what I was working on that week and they got to it before I did. Love language number three for kids is quality time. So again, some ideas from the book and a couple of of my own thrown in here, including kids in your daily chores or activities instead of waiting to spend time with them when done. I know a lot of parents, and I'm going to say moms because I think it probably is more moms, 
feel guilty about getting things done around the house when they should be having quality time with their kids. So they rush through things or they leave stuff until after they go to bed because they don't want to waste that valuable parenting time by doing the dishes. But what the book suggests and what I totally agree with is getting the kids on board with that, helping you do the dishes or they pull up a chair if they're too little and they sit beside you, they sit on the counter and, and you're talking while you're doing that stuff. And then of course, as the kids get older, get them involved in doing things themselves. And it's interesting. We were doing some stuff around the house the other day and Olivia said to me, you know, I like helping out like this. And you know, it's kind of nice to be working on something together and kind of this shared goal. And I forget her exact wording, but you know, we, we always say that we work as a team and I tell the girls, the more you help with things, then the more time we have to go out and do all the other fun stuff that we want to do. Because if I'm spending all weekend on chores, then we don't get to go out and do anything. So definitely get them involved in that stuff. If your child needs quality time for their love language, you can also stop and make eye contact when they're telling you something important. And I know this is a challenge for me because my kids would talk to me all day long. So I can't, like I just can't stop and look them in the eye for everything. But if I can sense there's a big story, there's something going on here, I do make myself sit down and actually give them that attention. But some conversations happen on the fly and that's okay too. Try to laugh and be silly with your kids, bringing up private jokes and shared memories. Watch your child's favorite show or YouTube video with them. Make comments, ask questions to show you care. Ask questions about their day that draw out responses other than yes or no. Play with your child outside or at the park instead of just watching. And this is totally another challenge for me. I'm much more of a play watcher than a player. That's just the way I am. I like to provide all these opportunities. It's like being a kindergarten teacher. I see myself as a facilitator. I'm not down on the ground rolling around with them a lot. That's just not what I do, but I make sure to give them all the opportunities they need for that sort of thing. Have a one-on-one date, even if it's something brief, like just going for ice cream, running an errand, taking a walk. Remember experiences over things when you're buying gifts. If your child loves quality time, they're going to want tickets to events. They're going to want something where you're going to go with them as opposed to an object handed over. Involve older kids in planning trips and outings. The internet is great for that. Whenever my girls know that we're going to a hotel or we're going to an attraction or something, they love to get on the internet and and research it. Figure out where your child opens up the most. So maybe it's when they're driving with you or out walking. A lot of people find that when you're sort of side by side, not looking at each other, there's a little bit less pressure, especially for kids when they're talking, as opposed to when you're sitting down face to face. The hot tub, if you have one, I find is a great place too for sitting and having a chat. But I would say when I was younger, for sure, I would open up during drives. Share meals together as often as possible. You can sit with little ones while they eat, even if you're having your own grown-up meal later. Incorporate exercise and outdoors into family time. We love just walking on local trails and doing things like that. Allow time for tucking in, even with big kids. Go through photos or souvenirs together. Sit in the same room, even when doing different tasks. So if you've got work that you've brought home or something to, to get done, they can be doing their homework or reading their book and you're still in the same room. There's something to be said just about that being together, even if what you're doing isn't the same thing. So that was the third love language. The fourth one is gifts. So the funny thing is out of these four, we still haven't touched on my love language, which I figured out. So we'll get to that one in number five, but some people, really do feel loved when they're given gifts. And it doesn't necessarily mean great big, huge, expensive packages wrapped up, but you'll see when you uh, hear some of these next ideas, just little things that can make some people feel loved. So make a special dinner or dessert for your child or take them to their favorite restaurant. When you choose gifts, have their interests in mind so they feel like you picked it really thinking about them. 
If you're away from home, send your child a package or bring back a souvenir. Think about long-lasting gifts like planting a tree together or purchasing a game for the family to play. My husband planted a tree, two different trees on our property for each of the girls' baptisms. So we have photos of you know him holding the baby by this tiny little tree that's been planted. And now, of course, they've, they've grown and they're kind of incredible. So it's neat to see that sort of progress, something long-lasting. And I think it does make them feel special when they see those trees and we talk about that's Olivia's tree and that's Eva's tree. Make a coupon book for your child with things like extra story at bedtime, spaghetti dinner, half hour at the park. Use special wrapping paper or bags, maybe if there's a character they like or their favorite color, that sort of thing. Or when you wrap things up, you know, like a little box inside a bigger box inside a bigger box. Sometimes it's just that can make a child feel special, the whole effort that went into to getting something ready for them to open. Help your child start a special drawer or box to keep treasures in. Keep little snacks or candies with you to give us treats when outside the house. Look for items personalized with your child's name. And this is so much easier now with the internet because there used to be places where you'd go and they'd have a little rack of, you know, door stickers or mugs or things like that. And a lot of people would never be able to find their names. Anything unique at all would not be found. But on the internet, you can find places to personalize anything. So getting them something with their name can make them feel special. Um, If your child admires something of yours, like maybe costume jewelry or a knickknack, give it to them as a surprise. And we're at the point now where Liv actually can wear my clothes. And so sometimes she'll borrow something and then she'll give it back. And then I realize, you know what, I don't really need that sweater. And so I'll leave it on her bed or I'll say, do you want this? And she could have worn it anyway, borrowing it from me. But there's something to saying, well, no, that now that's hers. And, and I know she likes that sort of thing. And look for natural gifts like pretty rocks or wildflowers. It doesn't have to be going out and spending money on something. Those sorts of things can make kids feel loved as well. And the fifth love language is acts of service. And I don't know for me when I was a child, if acts of service would have been my love language, maybe, maybe not. But certainly as an adult, I think if I read the book about love languages for adults and romantic relationships, I'm pretty sure this is what I, what I would pick. So I think it's pretty clear when someone does something for you, some type of act of service. And I've always been kind of hardwired by to-do list. So I do feel loved when others help me to cross things off or to make my life easier or more pleasant somehow. I don't need them to buy me presents. And as much as I do love a nice hug, um, I don't crave hugs from acquaintances and that sort of thing. Um, I think the acts of service really, really matter to me. And my parents clearly know this. They're very quick to show their love for me now by picking up my books at the library or driving live to the dentist or mum will proofread a piece of writing for me. Um, and thankfully that they're willing and able to do those sorts of things. And I certainly feel loved by my parents in that way. And even with my husband, of course, I do love affection and quality time and words of affirmation. I mean, I think I need some of that to round out the relationship, but I mean, bringing home dinner or taking out the recycling, those things really do make me feel loved just as much as buying something and bringing it home. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm strange on that, or maybe you're with me, let me know, but So the catch when you're parenting young children is you also want to foster independence. So I'm almost wary about talking about acts of service because as a kindergarten teacher and as a mom who really promotes independence, acts of service doesn't mean enabling them and coddling them. So I know a lot of parents feel like, you know, I make my child's bed every day or I pack their lunch every day or I wash their dishes, I zip their coats and this is how I show my love. But I also think some of those things can create an unhealthy dependence. I think that sort of thing could be done as a random surprise. Like, oh, mom made my bed today. Awesome. 
that, you know, that was a nice gesture, but not mom makes my bed every single day and I take it for granted and I have not learned how to make a bed. So you got to be careful, but some nice ways to speak this love language with your child. If they like acts of service, help them practice for a sports team, like shooting hoops or playing catch, assist them with technological issues until they get old enough to be the one assisting you. If they're having trouble with their iPod or something with the TV or whatever, help them out when they need it. Tucking your child in, carrying them to bed on occasion, if you can still lift them. Make a surprise meal or snack. Do one of their chores for them. Teach them about service by getting involved in something charitable in the community as a family. Have their toys or games set up and ready for them to play, maybe when they wake up from a nap or get home from school. If your child is running late and it's not a habit or a pattern, do something to help them get out the door on time. This is not like do everything for them every morning so they aren't late. It's if they're usually on time, but today their alarm didn't go off or big issues with a bad hair day. I don't know if you have teenage girls, but that sort of thing. If you can on occasion, you know, pack up their stuff for them or do something to help them. Connect your child with someone who can help them with an interest. So that brings to mind when Olivia thought she wanted to learn how to sew. I was absolutely no, absolutely no help to her with that at all. But um, my wonderful Aunt Lise is a talented seamstress on the side. And there was another girl who wanted to learn how to sew. And so Olivia and this other girl started taking lessons from Aunt Lise. And then Olivia and the other girl became good friends, actually. And I got to become friends with the mom. So it was all a very win-win scenario. But if they're interested in something, help set them up. Fix something of theirs that is broken. Help your child study for a test or listen to them practice a presentation. So all these ideas. So I'm curious to know now that you've heard the five love languages of children, can you identify? And I don't think I mentioned too, Olivia's we figured out is quality time in the sense that she wants the time for the listening, the conversation. She wants to have your undivided attention while she's talking about things or needs something. So we We've kind of narrowed that down. So while of course I'll keep showing all the love languages in different ways as best I can, I kind of know what their primary love languages are. So please let me know what you think about your children or even if you've been able to nail down your own love language. You can let me know I am on Facebook and Twitter at This Mom Loves. I'm on Instagram at Kate This Mom Loves. You can also contact me through the site thismomloves.ca. I'm very excited to introduce my special guest today, Lori Galman. She is the author of the hilarious novel, Class Mom, and the brand new sequel, You've Been Volunteered. Welcome, Lori. Thank you so much. It's so nice of you to have me. So I definitely want to talk about this book, which I loved, which works out well when I want to interview someone and I do love their <laughs> book. So we'll, we'll get to that. But just to rewind for a bit, I first got to know who you were when I was home on mat leave watching the mom show and you were one of the co-hosts. So tell me a bit about that experience oh, hosting that show. Can I tell you, that was one of the best experiences of my broadcast life. I mean, to be able nice. to talk about something you're so passionate about, like all you want, when you have kids, it's all you want to talk about. It's all you want to learn about. It's all you want to share with other people. So to be able yeah. to have a TV show where I could do that was, it was like a, a gift every day. I just loved it. And you had to travel from New York City to Toronto to film. Is that correct? Yeah, that was the only downside was, I mean, they had it, uh, so buttoned down that I could leave Monday morning and be back Wednesday for dinner. And we would do, let me think how many shows in that time, eight shows in that two and a half days. Oh, wow. Yeah. We would block, um, shoot them. It was exhausting, but it, it, that way I was able to still be a mom and not abandon my kids. And, and they, we only did it for 10 weeks and then I was free the rest of the year. Okay. And your co-host when I was watching it was Catherine Marion. Do you keep in touch with her at all? 
Absolutely. We're still very good friends. I adore her. She's, she's amazing. I mean, she, what she's got going on now, she's a personal trainer and she still does um, things um, broadcast wise in Ottawa locally. Cause you know, she's perfectly bilingual and she can flip from French to English, like nobody I've ever seen. And uh, she's, she's a real go-getter. She does tons of stuff. That's great. So you had tons of broadcast experience, and then you tried your hand at something else, becoming an author. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you said it's okay for me to broach this topic, because I think it's interesting for people to hear. So you started out actually with a children's book. And how did that go, trying to sell your children's book? Well, you know, the funny thing is, I I thought I'd start by writing a children's book, because that'll be easy. You know, what's hard (laughs) about writing a kid's book? It's what, 10 pages? You know, simple story. Oh my gosh, there's so much more to writing a kid's book than you could ever even imagine because there's a real formula and everybody in children's publishing wants you to stick within the formula. And so no matter what you do, you have to, you know, sort of stay within their rules. And I tried to break out of it. I wrote what I thought was a brilliant children's book (laughs) called Two Weeks Till My Birthday, which was all about the anxiety that kids have surrounding anything that's, you know, coming up any, you know, it's like two weeks till the first day of school and two weeks till Christmas and two weeks till Halloween. And they always get so ramped up and it's, you know, trying to calm them down and make sure that, you know, they stay focused. Um, So I thought that was a brilliant idea. And 47 publishers disagreed with me. 47. Like, oh man, that came back so fast. I was like, wow, okay, this book sucks. I better try something else. And I mean, to me, the concept sounds great, but I guess I'm, I'm not a publisher. Yeah. Um, And so then you went the novel route and your first book, Class Mom, was a huge hit. I want you to just explain a little bit the idea of a class mom, because it might be really obvious to people who have that, but I've been teaching for 19 years now and that doesn't really go on. We don't have class moms sort of in our school system. So what is a class mom? Well, it's really anybody who comes and volunteers in the classroom. And I'm sure that you've had parents volunteer in your classroom. It's mostly K through eight. You know, you usually have it uh, kindergarten through eight in high school. They don't have them, but, um, there's in, in my school system and in most school systems in the U S there's a designated class mother who organizes all the parties and she's the liaison between the teacher and, um, and everybody in the class so that the teacher doesn't have to worry about making sure everybody's bringing their brownies or their water and juice and everybody knows everything that's going on. And I want to throw in here before we talk about that book is, is that in 2010, when I talked to you, you had said to me, and I quote, I got to be the class mom this year and I could write a book about that. (laughs) So I think that's really neat. I have it right in that blog post when I was going back to do some research. So I think that's kind of neat. And then of course, class mom was a big success. Now it's, it was a funny story, a little bit irreverent, which I think a lot of people like, you must've been really thrilled with the success of that book. I was. I was surprised and and thrilled. I mean, just having a book, finishing a book is one great accomplishment. Having it published is, you know, the icing on the cake. And then when you when you it actually does well, it's just cherries on top of your icing. You know, it, it just you couldn't believe. I couldn't believe how exciting it was and how gratifying it was because you know it's a lot of work. It really is. But I, I was as surprised as anybody that it did well, and I was thrilled. And was a sequel always in the works or how did that come about? No, I mean, you know, if nobody had read the first one, uh, no one was going <laughs> to dying during the sequel. But as I, as I toured for the first book and as I, you know, I, I do um, 
book clubs too. And I talked to people, I Skype into book clubs and stuff. And everybody was like, oh, are you going to write another one? What's Jen up to next? Like, we're not done with this character yet. And I guess neither was I because I had some ideas in my head, but um, nothing really came into clarity until I realized that the publishers wanted another book and uh, my readers wanted another book. And was there extra pressure when you've had one hit and then you're trying to do that second one? I I mean, I guess I I knew that I had another story about her and I was hoping it could be as funny as the first one. And um, I I mean, the pressure wasn't really to, um, to write the book. It was to get it done in time because for the first one, I mean, no one in the world cared whether Laurie Gelman was writing a book or not. And uh, I didn't sell it until after it was finished. So when I actually had someone pay me to write another book, that's the pressure that got to me. It's like, oh, my God, I've already spent this money. I I better, like, deliver. (laughs) Well, and I know a lot of times when authors do come out with sequels, they're not necessarily as good as the first. They can be a little disappointing. And I can truly say as a reader, I really did love You've Been Volunteered. I thought that it was the same caliber and it wasn't at all disappointing what you did with with the character. Um, So for listeners out there, can you tell everyone a little bit about the plot, what Jen Dixon is up to this time around? Jen's back. It's three years later. And she is not only, um, she's back as class mom. She took a year off and, um, not only is she class mom for Max's third grade class, she's also put in charge of uh, safety patrol. And I don't know if that's something you guys have. I'm pretty sure you do because I was a patrol in Canada, in Ottawa. Yeah. But um, so there was always like a parent that had to make sure that the patrols were on time and, you know, in, in their place and stuff like that. And Jen's put in charge of the safety patrol with hilarious consequences. And I love, I mean, you include emails and, you know, different things going on. And and again, that sort of sense of irreverent humor, which is so great. How would you say that you are like your character, Jen Dixon, and how are you different? Well, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but those emails from class mom were almost verbatim the emails I sent as a class mom. And they were the reason I ultimately got fired as class mom five years <laughs> into my, you know, role. And um, so pretty much I wanted to approach that job with the same irreverence that Jen had. And I think that's what we mostly have in common. I mean, she, she leads a very different life than I do, but um, yeah, that, her, her sense of humor and her trying to make everybody else just relax and not take it all so seriously is pretty much me. And do you think Jen will be back for a book three? Well, um, I can't, I I, yeah, I think so. It's being <laughs> Fingers crossed anyway. It, no, it's being negotiated right now. So yeah, I think there'll be a third book probably because everything comes in threes, right? You need a trilogy. Yes. So I it's agree. just a matter of what she's going to be doing. I think we'll see Max through maybe fifth or sixth grade and then we're done. So moving a little more into your personal life now, you have been married, is it 19 years to your husband, Michael Gelman? It was 19 years on June 17th. And Michael is the executive producer of Live with Kelly and Ryan. I don't as, know if your uh, listeners know, know about that show. It's it's a little show that's trying to you know make it struggling a little bit. So if they could tune in, I think it's on CTV in Canada. Okay, really show some support. Yes. Yeah, no, Kelly Rippa and Ryan Seacrest. Those are new names, but you know, yes. like they're 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 going to break it big. I think they're up and comers. Yeah. So, I have to ask you, just because listeners are going to want to know, tell us what Kelly and Ryan are really like. 
Oh my gosh. Well, Kelly's as funny as she is on, like you, what you see is what you get. Like she's, she's hysterically funny all the time. She is one of the kindest people I know uh, in real life. She's super fun to be around. And she is one of, if not the best mom I've ever met. I'll say one of, because I know a lot of good moms, but she is truly up there. She, she walks the walk and talks the talk. She, you know, is so involved in her kids' lives and always has been. And would rather take a day off work to go on a field trip than, you know, skip the field trip and, and go to her job. She's great. And Ryan, I'm only getting to know Ryan. I met him like 25 years ago. We did a pilot together for a television show where I was the host and oh, really? he was um, one of the reporters. It was like one of those inside edition type shows. So random that, yeah. you know, 25 years later, here we are, he's working for my husband and he's just a great guy. He's a total crazy workaholic like he he's busy all the time but I think he loves it that's where he gets his energy he loves ups loves being busy and he's also super kind and a real professional and is it just old news to you now that your husband's like an entertainment big wig or do you ever get starstruck by anybody that he has on the show or anything like that or is it just kind of like oh yeah that's just that's just Michael his job yeah, well, you know, I did it. I spent so many years interviewing celebrities myself for both YTV and then when I went to um, Miami and then when I was working at Fox. So I, I, I sort of the, the stargazing's over for me too. Like he, he's not impressed yeah. by it. I'm not impressed by it. Um, but sometimes there are people that he has on the show that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind going and and meeting that person. Anytime Tom Hanks is on, um, I always want to go, but he's he's banned me from the show because it, it got a little stalkerish and he knows that, you know, Tom Hanks is my hall pass. So like, probably safer to keep you show. out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who I wanted to meet recently. I thought, Oh, I really would like to go to the show to meet that person. It's escaping me. If I think of it, I'll let you know. Yeah. Let me know. So any tips in terms of marriage longevity, obviously 19 years is a pretty good track record. Yeah. Be nice to each other. You know, you, you find so many couples who forget to be nice to each other after a few years and they just say mean things and do mean things. You know, sometimes we'll be lying in bed and Michael will say, can you go get me a glass of water? And, you know, part of me wants to say, get it yourself. But then <laughs> the nice side of me is like, you know what, of course I will, because next time I'll ask you and you will yeah. say yes. So I think that, that being nice to each other is first and foremost and, and just being able to laugh. If you can't laugh together, then you may as well give up. Yeah. No, those are wise words. So you and Michael have two beautiful daughters. I How do. old are they now and what are they up to? Uh, they are Jamie and Misha. Jamie's 18 and she just graduated high school and she's on her way to USC, the University of Southern California, to study journalism. So we're really excited about that for her. She leaves next month and I'm heartbroken already, but trying to get through it. And Misha just finished ninth grade and uh, is loving it. She's really into um, computer science and um, uh, math and stuff like that. So she's kind of a STEM kid. And she's going to be doing uh, some stuff with that this summer. So your girls are a few years ahead of mine. I've got girls that are 13 and 11. So give me, a, yeah. give me some Ooh. heads up here. What are kind of the parenting joys and challenges going through those teen years? You know, a lot of it is, is how you communicate with your kids and how, how much they trust you. If, you. if you lose their trust, you're done. So if they tell you something and say, please don't tell dad or whatever, you can tell dad, but please don't ever let them know that you told dad. Like he yeah. has to keep it. You know, they just, they want to have a safe place. And um, 
if you can do one thing for them, it's really watch their friends because um, your kids, no matter how great they are, they'll never survive bad friends. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to write that down. (laughs) So you are originally a Canadian girl as well. What are some things that you miss about Canada now that you're all settled in New York for so long? And would you think you'll ever come back? I know back in 2010, you said one day you'd like to move back here. So I think about that once in a while. I miss crunchy bars and I miss shreddies and I miss um, all dressed crispers. And those are all foods. <laughs> That's the only thing I miss is the food. No, I miss, uh, oh gosh, there's so much to miss about Canada, but just how nice everybody is. I mean, you walk into Starbucks in Ottawa and it's just this really pleasant experience with somebody who wants to serve you and be nice to you. And in New York, it's just kind of a different experience. Someone who's there really doesn't want to be there, doesn't like their job. And, and it's, you can just feel the, the different energy. And of course, universal health care is always, you know, something to miss when you're not involved in it. The foods and the universal health care. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and the people so, and yes. I just don't miss the weather. That's the only thing I don't miss. Also wondering in terms of New York City, a lot of Canadians like to go there. It's on their bucket list for travel. So as a Canadian in New York City, what would you say are some of the must-sees or things not to do if you don't want to be a tacky Canadian tourist visiting New York? Oh, I know. Uh, Here's the thing. The first time you go to New York, you have to be the tacky tourist because there's things you want to see. You want to see the Empire State Building and you want to see Broadway and, you know, all the lights of Broadway. And and you want to go down and look at the uh, Statue of Liberty and maybe take the Staten Island Ferry by so you can see it up close and see um, what's that island, that island that everybody comes into. When Ellis Island, Ellis Island, thank you. And you can see <laughs> Ellis Island up close. Um, and you can, you know, just buy all the silly stuff that you buy. I mean, there's, there's, there's great, go see a show. You know, those, those are the great things to do, whether you want to be tacky or not. There's, there's a few other things that lately have become really hot on the New York to do list. One of them is to walk the High Line, which is a raised sidewalk I guess it's above the um, train track yards uh, down it starts I think in the meatpacking district and goes up to the 30s somewhere in the 30s and it's a beautiful walk it's just a lovely walk along the water and you're up high you're elevated so you can see a lot of stuff and that's that's really a big attraction and you cannot get a bad meal in this town so no matter where you go to dinner you're you're always going to have the best food. Great advice. I just want to mention that the only reason Ellis Island was on the tip of my tongue is because I just watched the movie Hitch with my daughters. Oh my and gosh. Will Smith's character takes Ava Mendes' character to Ellis Island. There's a whole little storyline there. So it's not that I'm just so well-read or anything. It's because of a movie. Yeah, like, wow. So last question for you. I always ask my guests, do you have a This Mom Loves or a favorite thing to share that listeners might want to check out? Yeah, I have so many things, but there's one thing that I, I've, I didn't even realize how much I loved it until I started thinking about things I love. And it was, it's this, um, it's a stick, a bomb, like a lip balm. It's called Oleo E Oso. And it's tinted, it's a tinted bomb, and you can use it on your lips and cheeks. So I always have it in my purse. And if I'm feeling, you know, by the middle of the day when you're, all your makeup's gone and you're just feeling a little mm-hmm. washed out, you just, it, it's, a, it's a stick. It looks like, um, 
all I can say is it looks like a stick and you just put it one thing on your cheeks and then cross your lips and you just look a little more alive. That is always good. Looking a little more alive. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it all the time. It's like, oh my gosh. And if I don't have it, it really bothers me. I'm like, oh, where's the Ilio and Esso? Oh, so that's kind a of good a recommendation. Name, but... then. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Lori Gelman. Everyone needs to go pick up the new book, You've Been Volunteered. And if you have not read Class Mom yet, you need to get that as well so that you can get all caught up. Thanks so much for being here, Lori, and good luck with the book. Kate, thank you so much. It's always so nice to talk to you. And that's a wrap for episode 28 of This Mom Loves. If you need information from the show, I will have it all in the show notes at thismomloves.ca slash podcasts. And again, it's episode 28. So some of that information about supporting a friend's small business, I'll have links to all of the info about the five love languages of children. And of course, links to Lori Gelman's accounts and where you can purchase her awesome new book, You've Been Volunteered. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here. As always, I love if you could subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to This Mom Loves. And if you could share with a friend and let them know, because um, spreading the word is very helpful to someone who has a podcast. So thank you in advance for anything you can do. Thanks also to my wonderful editor, Lucas Wojcicki. And until next time, have a great week.